It's good to see everybody here today, and I want to welcome all of you watching online or listening on the radio. Welcome to Vanceburg Christian Church. We are looking at God's 2020 vision for the church this year. That's our theme. And we are in the middle of a journey through the book of Acts, the history of the church, to see what God's vision was for the church back then, and it's the same today. So uh, we pick up the action in chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. There was a spirit of unity and generosity that came from one thing and one thing only. The faith that they had in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the crucified and resurrected Jesus. It was their faith in him that kept them united, kept them so generous that they took care of one another's needs. Verse 33 says, With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. The power that was promised them, the power of the Holy Spirit, was seen in the works of the apostles who continued the ministry of Jesus with their teaching and their healing. And God's grace was powerfully at work in all of them, not just the apostles, all of the Christians had the same power, the same grace of God so that they were willing to be generous with what they had. They weren't forced to bring extra. They just wanted to. The early Christians were not content to merely tithe. They weren't content to get by with the biblical minimum. They wanted to give more. And they, they sold property to, to bring it to the apostles so that with no strings attached, it could be used however was needed. And then Luke, the historian here, gives us an example of one person who was especially generous. Verse 36 says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now here Luke introduces us to Barnabas, who we're going to see later on plays a big role in the early church. And his real name wasn't Barnabas, it was Joseph. But they gave him the nickname Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. Sometimes people become known for their words or, or their deeds more than what their name is. There's an actor that I don't know what his name is. And maybe a lot of you don't know who his name is. But I'm going to tell you his nickname, and most of you are going to know. Because we've got nothing to do but sit home and watch TV, right? 
I don't know his name, but his nickname is Safe Drivers Save 40%. See, he was known for what he says, what he does. Barnabas was known for encouraging. And that was his nickname. We need more sons and daughters of encouragement in the kingdom today. Too many sons and daughters of discouragement. It's been said that discouragement is one of Satan's greatest tools, and I believe that. We all have the responsibility to be encouragers, and some of us have that special spiritual gift to encourage. And, and how did Barnabas encourage people? Well, we're going to find out later on more about this son of encouragement, but right here, the way he does it. He gives a lot of money. He sold a field. and Scholars say this could mean anything from he sold a burial plot to he sold a farm. But either way, he gave a significant donation to the church and it was very encouraging. Now, we're going to get into a section here that compares and contrasts the generosity of Barnabas and the others who gave so freely with someone who's a bad example. Notice in your Bible reading the comparisons and the contrast you'll see. Here's a list of things you better not do. And the next paragraph is a list of things that we're supposed to do. Here's an example of somebody who did the right thing. The next paragraph, here's an example of somebody who did the wrong thing. Notice the contrasts and comparisons all through Scripture. Chapter 5 starts out, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now Ananias, he had seen what was going on, all these people giving so generously, and Barnabas getting a lot of positive attention for his generosity. Hey, I want some of that attention too. So they sold some property. But instead of giving it all to the church, they held back part of it. And they said, this is all we got. Okay? So there's a sin involved. You could say, sin of greed. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. You could say it was the sin of pride. Pride goes before a fall. I think pride is a part of maybe all sin. But let's see more specifically what their sin was. Verse 3, then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. Ooh, there's the main part of their sin. They lied to God. Now, Peter seems to have the same kind of ability that Jesus had to know people's hearts. And he knew that it was a lie. And he confronted Ananias about it. He says, you know, you didn't have to sell it. After you sold it, 
you could have done anything with the money. You could have kept it for yourself. You could have given part of it to the church. But, but you lied. You, you brought part of the money to the church and you said this is all of it. And you didn't just lie to the church. You lied to God. Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in the church. If you lie to the church, you're lying to God. Well, what's going to happen now? Verse 5 says, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. Now, how many of you think his time was just up? I don't. I think God pronounced sentence on him because of his sin. Now, the Bible says that we're allotted a certain number of days, but a paradox is that we can do things that lengthen our life or we can do things that shorten our lives. A lot of us believe that we have a certain number of days to live, but we still put on our seatbelt when we get in the car and go somewhere, don't we? A lot of us think we have a certain number of days to live, but we still watch for traffic before we cross the street. It's kind of a paradox, but God is sovereign. He knows how many days we're going to live, but our willingness to obey him or disobey him can shorten or add to our life. So he, he fell down and died, and a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Now, this is very strange that they would bury the man without bothering to contact the widow. Evidently, the church saw this as, as God's wrath. God struck this sinner down. We need to get rid of his body as quickly as possible. So they buried him. Wife came along not knowing what had happened and if I were Peter, I might have dealt with the fact that her husband had died before I dealt with the fact of their sin. I would have said something like, hey, Sapphira, you remember that fellow you used to be married to? What was his name? Anna, Anna something. I might have dealt with the loss of her husband first, but no, Peter goes straight to the fact of their sin. Actually, he gives her a chance to repent. Gives her a chance to come clean and tell the truth. Is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? But instead of repenting, instead of telling the truth, she doubled down. She stuck with the lie. Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these Events. Well, no wonder great fear seized the church and everybody else that heard about it. 
And I think what is lacking in our society today and to a great deal is lacking in our churches today is a fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about the kind of fear that freezes us into inaction. I'm talking about a healthy respect of a God who is loving, but a God who is also wrathful. A God who will not tolerate heinous sin in the church. The Bible says it's the fear of the Lord that's the beginning of wisdom. We cannot begin to be wise until we have begun to fear the Lord. Now, I don't think we can speculate on the eternal fate of Ananias and Sapphira. That's totally in God's hands. This may have been a one-time sin that was not at all what they were like. Or it could have been their lifestyle of greed and pride and lying to God. If that's a person's lifestyle that they never repent of, then there is no chance for them in eternity. But again, this is up to God. Only God can judge the heart. So we see this whole fear of the Lord spread throughout the area. And next we see a paragraph that kind of sums up things. Verse 12, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Here's another paradox. <laughs> they were afraid of the church, but they wanted to be a part of it. And you see this, this great, awesome respect of God and the desire to be a part of what God was doing in building the church, saving people who are coming to faith in Jesus. So the church grew in leaps and bounds, and we see again that the church is concerned with the healing ministry that Jesus had when he walked this earth, and the apostles continued. And while we might not have the same healing touch that Jesus had and the apostles had, we still need to be concerned about those who are sick. Especially in this time of a pandemic. We need to be concerned about those who are sick. We need to be diligent, church. I know it's not a fun time to live in. Like some of, some of you said this morning, it stinks. And it does. But this is the only world we've got to live in right now. So we've got to be careful. Our area has been largely spared and until recently it's starting to get a little worse. It's in our nursing home. I know it was bad 
when we read that it was in nursing homes in other states or other parts of the state. It's in our nursing home. And I think the least we could do right now is to stop and bow our heads and pray to God. Lord, we didn't see this pandemic coming back when we decided that 2020 would be dedicated to seeking your vision for the church. We didn't see it, but you did. You knew it was coming. Lord, give us a heart for the sick. We pray for those who've lost loved ones. 160,000 families in the United States. Many, many more worldwide. Lord, we pray for the residents and the workers of our nursing home who have tested positive. We pray that they will survive. We pray that they will recover. We pray that our residents of this county would be diligent and double down in our efforts to be socially distant, wash our hands, wear a mask when we're out in public. Lord, help us to show the same kind of care for the sick that you showed when you walked this earth. Same kind of devotion to those who are hurting that the church has always shown. Lord, uh, we pray that this pandemic will soon be over, but until it is, help us to do our best to do your will. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've seen the generosity of the church and then problem with the sin that invaded the church, but besides this problem from within, we're going to see problems from without. This persecution comes. Verse 17, then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they'd been told and began to teach the people. Then the high priest and his associates arrived. They called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of elders of Israel, and sent the, to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the disciples, or the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. 
The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God... You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Well, here we see the opposition from, from without the church. Persecution. The religious leaders had already told Peter and John, you better not speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And their answer was, we can't help. But speak, because there's no other name given under heaven by which people must be saved. Well, when the leaders found that the apostles were disobeying the order, they had them arrested, put in jail, but not even jail could hold the apostles. God sent his angel and let these men escape miraculously from jail. And I think Luke wants us to see the humor here. Here the Sanhedrin, that's the Jewish leading council, they, they gather together the next day after the apostles are supposedly in jail overnight. They gather the next day and they're going to put these men on trial. So they gather together in their fancy robes and their tassels. Okay, parade these men through here. Uh, sir... Um, We've been to the jail. Uh, the jail was securely locked. The guards were still there. But those guys you arrested, they're not in the jail. They're out in the temple doing the thing you told them not to do. 
talking about Jesus. <laughs> I think Luke wants us to chuckle a little bit here. And then the leaders of the Jewish faith have the apostles brought in, not by force. The apostles come of their own free will. And there's this conversation again, just like they had earlier. We told you not to speak in the name of Jesus, yet you filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching. Once again, the apostles say, when it comes down to either obeying God or obeying you, who do you think we're going to pick? The leaders say, you seem to be determined to pin the guilt of Jesus' death on us. And yes, that's exactly what they do. The apostles say, you put him to death. But God raised him. See it? the contrast here. The Jewish leaders had subjected Jesus to the greatest disgrace imaginable. Death on a cross. And God had put on Jesus the greatest honor imaginable. To resurrect him from the dead. To have him ascend into heaven. To sit at the right hand of God the Father. So there's this comparison and, and contrast between how the Jewish leaders treated Jesus and how God treats Jesus. So there's this anger among the leaders. They want to put the apostles to death, just like they had done to Jesus. But Gamaliel, one of their own, seems to be a man of reason. He says, let's talk about this. He brings up a couple of cases of people who had revolted. And after a while, their revolt came to nothing. He says, maybe that's going to happen here. Just let this play out. If this is just something that these guys have invented, it's not going to amount to anything. You don't have to do anything. Just let it play out. However, if this is from God, these fellows will not be defeated and you will only find yourself fighting against God. So he advised them to leave these men alone. Well, they sort of took his advice. They, they didn't have them killed, but they had them flogged, had them whipped, then sent home. And the apostles left there rejoicing with wounds on their back that would probably be scars that would last the rest of their lives. They were in physical pain, but they rejoiced because they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And right after they had been told by the authorities not to teach anymore in the name of Jesus, they went out in public and never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So what do we need to take home from this church as the band comes back up here to lead us in the next song? Let's, let's just see what God's vision is for the church. 
He sees a church that's so united in their faith in Jesus that they're generous to the point of encouraging everybody in the church. God sees a church that is so devoted to holiness that they will not allow any deviant sin to go on in the church. God sees a church that has a healthy fear of the Lord Almighty. So ask yourself, church, are, are you generous? To the point of encouraging people? Or do you have part of you that's greedy? Proud? Is there any part of your life in which you are lying to God. Time to take a good look at ourselves, church. Are we doing anything in the community that shows that we have the power of Jesus living in our lives? Anything at all? Are we showing our concern for the sick in any way at all? And what about when persecution comes? You know, a whole lot of Christians have stopped talking about Jesus even though no one has threatened them. No one has even told them. They just stopped talking about Jesus. And what about when you do talk about Jesus and, and suffer in some way? We're not likely to, to be whipped and have stripes put on our back, but people can give us a, a whipping with their tongues. I know a lot of Christians that are walking around with mental and emotional scars that will last until Jesus comes back. Are you willing to do that? Are you going to shut up? Or are you, are you going to be talking about Jesus? It's up to you, church. What are you going to do? The early church filled all of Jerusalem with the teaching about Jesus. How are we doing here? How are we doing? Are we filling the area out of Laurel with the teaching about Jesus? Are we filling the area up at Garrison, Black Oak, about the teaching of Jesus? How are we doing over in Moorhead? About talking about the crucified and resurrected Jesus being the Savior of all. How are we doing downtown here? How are we doing, those of you that live along the double A, out as far as Maysville? How are we doing? I guess we could do a little bit better. So, church, let's renew our resolve to be the witnesses that Jesus wants us to be. He's given us the power of his Holy Spirit. He gives us opportunities every day. Let's be the kind of church that God envisions in this year, 2020. And if anybody's outside the church, you're outside of Jesus, you need to repent. You need to believe in Jesus, trust him for your salvation. You need to confess him as Lord. Be baptized in the water so that your sins will be washed away and you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Is there anybody here today that needs to make a public decision about Jesus and his church? If so, we invite you to come up here in front of everybody. Let us know what you've decided. As we stand and as the praise band leads us in this next song, would you come?